Chapter Thirty Nine of the Social War of Nineteen Hundred, or the Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Meg Turasek. The Social War of Nineteen Hundred, or the Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter Thirty Nine. Nancy Clover makes a mastered speech to the conspirators. Had it not happened that Sister Nancy Clover had been lecturing the belligerent saints, the deacon undoubtedly would have been killed then and there. But the royal sister was still on the floor when the delirious deacon came into the hall, and she simply waved them back with her hand, and ordered the sentinel to remove him to his lounge, which was more, however, than one man could do, because delirious people are always stronger when in this state than when calm. It took six men to carry him back to his chamber. Dr. Pansy was compelled to leave the chair and attend to the deacon. Nancy Clover, therefore, asked a meek brother to act as president for the balance of the evening, when she continued, I reiterate that it is vulgar, in fact, bordering on the worst form of obscenity for a man to be continually preaching, lecturing, and writing on natural religion, natural laws, natural improvement of the race. The only way in which the race can be improved is by conversion, by faith in the atoning blood, and by the grace of God. The elect saints receive all the grace that God designed for his chosen people, and as we are so blessed, as we are the elect who cannot sin, therefore in our hands all things are purified. We have a right from on high, through the grace of Christ, to use everything that we see, and use it as we please. But what right have the non-elect to the kingdom of God, and to the rights and privileges that are only vouchsafed unto us? We as the chosen people of the Lord, have a perfect right to use these people to our liking. Hence, I say, why not conspire with, or solicit our enemies, or slaves? I mean the giddy worldlings, such as tipplers, rogues, politicians, or whoever or whatever they are, to join us, because they were born for our use, they and their everything belong to us. Then, what scruples can we have to get them to fight as our allies, to subdue and annihilate all innovators? And this, Dr. Juno, is the only dangerous man that lives, because he endeavors to give a new and scientific explanation of the Holy Bible. And by that new interpretation, he proves to his hearers and readers that the Bible and science agree a thing that cannot be, or, if such would be the case, then our holy religion surely could not be sound. We need not dread any innovators who denounce the Holy Bible as being a fallible work, because they can easily be cried down by us. But this audacious Juno takes our own instrument of salvation, and endeavors to explain every portion of it upon fixed natural principles, 
upon principles that the natural man and carnal mind can understand, as people comprehend the multiplication table. Now, brethren and sisters, I want your vote upon this question. Do you not think that, if Dr. Juno can make the natural man understand that the teachings of the Divine Master are only the teachings of nature, or the teachings of a natural law, that our holy cause will be esteemed as a bogus one. All those who believe in the affirmative please rise to their feet and say, I. The entire sainthood unanimously agree with me. Then, again, does not our sainthood suffer from such a man as Dr. Juno than from all the balance of infidels, atheists, heretics, worldlings, and agitators of isms and schisms combined. Those who think so, please rise and say I, as before. Again, unanimous, continued she. And, as such, we shall set ourselves individually and collectively to work, tomorrow, to urge all classes to aid us in subduing Dr. Juno. Voices rang out vociferously from all parts of the hall. Here, here, the physician-in-chief of the insane asylum rose and said, I did not expect to make any remarks this evening, but things have taken such a peculiar turn that I wish to express my views on the appropriate remarks of our excellent sister Nancy Clover. Should her counsel be rigidly heeded by every individual of this brotherhood, I am sure victory would crown our efforts. I see a great deal of danger breeding, and although those who are now in high offices, as well as the evangelical ministers and standard medical doctors, are our friends, but these are nothing compared with the masses of the people, and once let a furor be made in favor of Dr. Juno, and you will see what one man can do, who is bad, bold, and indomitable like he. It has always been one mind that moved the masses. Look at Napoleon I, and from time immemorial, the fearless agitator of reform or deform, by perseverance, gained his end. Because a lie often repeated becomes a truth in the estimation of the masses of the people, and we certainly should not be blind to the fact that it was a bad move to have given Dr. Juno an open trial in the Court of Sessions, and permit his friends to publish the same in pamphlet form to the world, because the people are always crazy to read sensational matters. Therefore, the sale of his book on The Physiology of Marriage has been greatly increased, and the masses of the people say it is just the book they need, and want to enlighten them how to prevent the various domestic ailments, which injures both the business of our medical profession and that of the ministers. Because he reasons in that book that man must and can become his own savior by learning and returning to the laws of nature, a thing that is very absurd. But, nevertheless, such heresy suits the non-elect who are very greatly in the majority, and whose attention has been riveted to the name of Dr. Juno, through that open trial, 
conviction and imprisonment of the innovator. Our people have made a martyr of him, is the cry everywhere, except among the elect and a few others. Now, I have closely watched all the plans that have been laid and discussed to disgrace, ruin, and kill him. But there is one excellent method of branding him as an abortionist, and no one has thought of, and it must be known that even the masses of the non-elect despise and detest abortionists. In sooth, they are murderers. Here is my plan. The druggists who can be trusted will manufacture specific pills for producing abortion, and label them Dr. Juno's female regulating pills. And if these druggists do not desire to sell them to the people themselves, they can introduce them to the patient medicine trade, and then get up a talk that Dr. Juno is manufacturing and selling specific abortion pills, which are sold publicly by that class of druggists who deal in patent medicines. Three birds will be killed with one stone in so doing. First, the manufacturers will make a great deal of money on these pills at Dr. Juno's expense, and through his notoriety. Secondly, the patent medicine dealers, who are none of the standard bearers, will be despised and disreputably touched up. And, thirdly, the celebrated Dr. Juno will get a fame as the great abortionist, which will be as good as stabbing him to the heart in the estimation of the million, who he might chain and charm without this stigma. Noble thoughts, brother, worthy the esteem of the whole sainthood, and I hope that several of our faithful druggists will be selected instantly, who are here present, as a committee of operation, because the plan is excellent, and if brothers Stu and Peer were well enough to comprehend it, they would cheerfully cry yea and amen to this most cunning little game. Brother, you have my heartfelt thanks for these holy thoughts. I move that the President Pro Tem will appoint the three brother druggists, whom I see in the hall, as a committee to manufacture and motion these pills into circulation, said Sister Nancy Clover. I second that motion, responded a brother. All right, exclaimed several voices. And, just as the President Pro Tem had announced the names of the committee, Dr. Toy Pansy entered the hall with a downcast expression and said solemnly, I fear Deacon Stew, the beloved, is expiring. End of chapter 39 Recording by Meg Turasek